What up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. Misfits, I'm a big fan of fighting. The sport, not like Fight Club. Yeah, let's go ahead and rewind that a little bit. Misfits, it's no secret that I like the sport of mixed martial arts and boxing. I think combat sports in general are this intricate physical chess game between two opponents, but I've sometimes felt convicted watching such a violent and brutal sport and wondering, would Jesus want me watching this? And then I found my guest tonight, and I am so glad that I did. Preston Hawker is an MMA fighter, personal protection agent doing private security, and he's known in the MMA world as the pastor of disaster. You can't get a cooler nickname than that, right? He's also the host of the Saved and Savage podcast, and he's created the Savage Dads Group, where he shares insight with other fathers and pulls knowledge from his career path for men that are looking for help with parenting. There is a bunch of good stuff in this episode for mothers and fathers, misfits, and we had a really great time discussing how Preston's walk with the Lord interacts with his fighting and private security lifestyle, the insight and impact that his father had on his parenting style, and how protecting victims of violent crimes is factored into his walk as a pastor. All right, it's time for round one, misfits. Please welcome Preston Hawker. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. Preston, welcome to the Misfit Heroes podcast. I am super amped to talk to you, man. I've I've been checking out your stuff over the last couple of days. I want to start off with something beautiful, I think, actually. So I listened to your podcasts over the last day or two, and you do intros with your daughter, and I just think it's a beautiful thing. Like, I'm just letting you know that we need more of that in our lives, you know? <laughs> man, she's so much fun. That was actually her, uh, that was her idea. Um oh. Whatever I'm doing, she wants to do it. Like, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. She's a lot of fun. It is just the cutest thing. Like, you know, you were you were introducing guests or something, and she was talking about how she was afraid of the rock monster from Frozen. I was I was dying. I was dying. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm so jealous. I have a two year old son, and uh, I want to do a podcast with him sometime. But I don't think people could listen to talks about fire trucks and fire extinguishers (laughs) for like an hour and a half at a time. You'd be, you'd be surprised how long people would probably hang on, though. Maybe not like an hour and a half, but they definitely get like eight to ten minutes of fire trucks. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. That's the content we need in 2022. I'm just yeah. letting you know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, I want to I want to introduce you to people. You know, you've got a very diverse skill set. You've got a whole bunch of things going on. You've got MMA. You do personal security for uh, for victims of domestic violence and stuff like that. And you're called the pastor of disaster. I'm really interested to see where that name came from. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but where do you want to start? I mean, what, let's let's start with the pastor disaster. Where where did that come from? I guess we we can even even rewind a little bit from there. On how did this Christian boy who had never been in a fight before, because I still to this day, I've never punched somebody without a glove on. (laughs) If it's not training or competition, I even in like all of the craziness with like the different security jobs that I've done from bouncing to to private security. um, The term a lot of people use is bodyguard, but executive protection. I've never had to like punch somebody without a glove on. Um, so how did this like preacher's kid 
get into mixed martial arts. The really short story is um, basically I always knew I, I was a fighter inside. I always knew that like I was I was the friend that stood up for all the other friends. You know, like I was always very protective. I've got a sister, but I was always very protective. I always had this kind of protective nature about myself. Really, the thing that uh, that kicked off the training portion of fighting was I had a friend that got murdered when I was about, I think it was like 22. And I found out about it on TV. I was sitting in my in-law's house. We were watching TV and watching the news. And my friend's name come, came on the screen that she had been murdered. And it just kind of sparked something like literally in that moment of what would I do if somebody did that to me or my wife. And that's kind of what sparked me was I know that I've always been the protector in, in any situation, whether it's friends or family. And I just wanted to know that I'm giving myself a head start. Um, if somebody wants to attack me or my wife, I've, I've got a head start when it comes to defending my family. And so I started training. Um, I was literally the kid who never got in fights. I, I, uh, I wrestled through middle school, uh, some in high school. I was good, not like great, but I was good. Um, and, but that was like my extent of like fighting. So I started doing jujitsu for anybody that doesn't know what Brazilian jujitsu is. It's kind of like wrestling, but instead of trying to pin the guy, you're trying to like choke them or break one of their arms or, or legs or something. So (laughs) And so, yeah, it's we're like basically practicing trying to kill each other. Um, <laughs> but, so I started with that, and then I came to this like conclusion of, you know, everything in my martial arts journey was always about real life. It was never, I mean, it was of course I did some stuff for like competition, but in the back of my mind, it was always what's real life. So I trained for a while i learned some muay thai i actually sat down across across a table at a newcomers event at my church from this guy named john williams who is to this day one of my best friends he had just stopped coaching he was a lifelong like martial artist belted in a bunch of things including like he was a he had his instructorship for muay thai you don't there's no real black belts in muay thai but you know he was he was considered, you know, he was able to coach Muay Thai. He was a black belt in karate, different, all these different styles. And so we're talking fighting. Like we sit down, he's like new to the church and like, we just hit it off talking about fighting. I was like, man, I need to learn how to punch somebody because I've, <laughs> I've never done this before. He was like, all right, that's cool. Let's, let's do this. So like we start training and, um, like it was just me and him and some, like some focus mitts and, I mean, then out of nowhere, I don't know why to this day, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea, but I signed up for a mixed martial arts fight. I just wanted to <laughs> test. I want to see if I could do it. Not so much. Honestly, I didn't even care too much about winning. I wanted to see if I could survive a fight because I hadn't even right. like been in a I fight. Before. <laughs> so I signed up for it. Then I told John, I was like, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be fighting in like a couple months. And he was like, dude, we've got so much work to do. (laughs) (laughs) So like we went to work and like when I tell you it was like karate kid style stuff. I mean it was it was legit. Like I'm hitting a bag and he's hitting me with a wiffle ball bat. Like he's just (laughs) he's getting me ready. And I lost my first fight, but I I had the time of my life. I 
I finally hit another person with my hand. Um, (laughs) It was was an experience I'll never forget, you know, that transfer of energy from your shoulder to your arm, and then it just stopped on the guy's face. And I'll never forget that moment. Um, But fast forward to how did I get the name Pastor of Disaster? I was was coaching Lynn Haven Middle School um, wrestling. I was the head coach there for 12 years. I actually just resigned this year. Um, But I had a student who, he was like the goofiest, toughest kid ever. Like if you saw him off the mat, you just think he's a clown. But as soon as you get him on the mat, he like would flick the switch. Um, Graham O'Brien was his name or is his name. He's, he's still around, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, some really great kids. So uh, I had a fight coming up and he was like, Hey coach. So everybody has nicknames. What's your nickname? And I was like, I really don't have one. And he goes, well, coach, I'm going to come up with a name for you. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, A couple days go by and he comes in, coach. He's so excited. Coach, I got the perfect name for you. It's like, what is it? He goes, pastor of disaster <laughs> I just, I, yeah that's kind of what i did i just kind of chuckled at it i was like all right that's cool um then uh, fast forward a little bit we get to the fight i beat the guy up i tko'd him i cut him under his eye doctors are checking him out the and the ring announcer kind of comes over and we're trying to like just fill some time and he asks me a couple questions and he gets to hey do you have a nickname and I don't know why, but I threw it out there. And I was like, yeah, some people, are, some people have been calling me the pastor of disaster. So the, the crowd went nuts. They absolutely lost their minds. They thought it was amazing. And it stuck. So a lot of people, like especially in this area, the, the martial arts community, they may or may not know my real name, but they know my nickname. Um, so we just kind of kind of went with it. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you won the fight though. What you did? You win your first fight? I did not win my first fight. I lost my first fight by a split decision. Um, <laughs> so I I fought this guy. And this was probably like ten or eleven years ago. So I've been fighting for a while. But yeah. he, um, I go in, and this was at least around here. It was back in the day before like the twenty four hour weigh in, like where you'd weigh in on a Friday and fight on Saturday. We weighed in on Saturday morning. Right. And the week of the fight, the promoter had called me and said, Hey, just so you know, the guy that you're supposed to be fighting pulled out, but I've got an opponent for you. And I was like, Hey, well, what's the deal? And he said, Well, I know you were fighting at 155, but this guy's at 170. I said, Well, <laughs> is he a natural 170 or is he dropping? And he said, Oh, no, he's a natural 170. And so I talked to my coach. I talked to John. I was like, Hey man, what do you think about it? He's like, just go for it. Whatever. You know, we put in all this work. (laughs) Let's just go for it. Let's, let's ride it out. And so we did it. I show up, all the fighters are lining up to like, go see the doctor. I'll throw a doctor in quotes. Uh, I'm sure he (laughs) (laughs) He he was a doctor of some sort. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Um, But we we were getting weighed in and everything. And I'm standing behind this, this guy. And he was the one guy without his shirt on. And he's just like jacked. I mean, <laughs> I I was barely above like his shoulder. I felt like I was his little brother, like just standing behind him. And so the doctor call, calls his name. He walks up and 
it happened to be the same name of the guy that I was supposed to be fighting. <laughs> and it wasn't like John Smith where, okay, maybe this isn't the same guy. Maybe there's another John Smith in the room. The guy's name was Tyler Von Wald. Like there's, there's no getting around it. It's definitely the same guy. Um, so, so I was like, I got to fight this guy. And I mean, he's, he's just, the guy was huge. There's no way he was a natural 170. I got lied to. Then my dad, my dad came to the fight and he sees Kyler walking around just being as jacked as he can be. And my dad goes, man, I'd hate to be the guy that has to fight him. <laughs> Little did you know, right? Yeah. I was like, dad, that's me. That's actually, <laughs> that's literally me. I have to fight him. <laughs> but I bought him. I almost knocked him out a couple times, but um, he was able to get some takedowns, hold me down. And so, like on the scorecards, it made sense. It it wouldn't make sense for me to win that one, um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I figured if I can if I can have fun losing a fight, how much fun would it be if I could win one? So right. I decided to keep going. Fighting has always just been about fun for me from here on out. Training is because now, especially now with um, you know the security industry. I want to stay in shape and I want to stay sharp so that I can provide a service to our clients. And so that's what it's about now, at least for me, I'm not done fighting. I would have fought before. Um, I actually had plans to fight. I wanted to fight no less than three times in 2020. And then March, 2020 came around and that yeah. just kind of killed everybody's plans. So, yeah, that's um, the end of that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I've never been knocked out. I've never like I've never been hurt in a fight. Um, my brain is my brain's working well. I actually I was having some like migraines a couple years back, and so so a lot of people who know that I'm a fighter, they're like, "Oh, it's because you're fighting." Like, well, I've never been really hit, <laughs> so like it's probably not. But I went and got the brain scans and everything, and the doctors. So they, there's no evidence that I've ever been punched before. Well, I, I want to go back to something because, you know, this is this is something not a lot of people um, think about. You know, when you see these fights, MMA fights on TV and stuff like that, these people train for, you know, weeks on end and everything. But after the fights, you know, they also have like a recuperation period for, yeah. you know, quite some time. Um, after your first fight, I mean, how did that go? Was that what you expected or did you have to like sort of heal yourself after that? Oh, well, I had no expectations going into this fight. <laughs> Realistically, I, was, I wasn't I was hurt at all. The guy never hurt me. He won because he took me down and he was able to lay on me. Um, okay. You always make rookie mistakes and then you have to go back and say, okay, never do that again. Um, and especially even more so in like combat sports, you don't want to get punched in the face. So like, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might make a mistake in baseball and get struck out. But getting struck out doesn't hurt nearly as bad as like getting punched in the face. So, <laughs> so after fights, you get back into the gym as fast as you can. Yeah. Sometimes that means that might mean you're back in the very next day. I've finished fights in 47 seconds. I think is the fastest fight I finished. I landed a low kick, and the guy didn't want to stand up. So um, you know, I didn't get hurt at all. So I was right back in the gym. But then like. Mike Pagano picked me up and dropped me on my shoulders, and <laughs> that oh, was Lord. that wasn't as fun. I, t- I think I took a couple <laughs> weeks off after that fight. 
he punched me right in my face a couple times. That was a good one, though. Honestly, out of all my fights, that was probably one of my more fun fights. Um, even though I lost, it was uh, it was still a lot of fun. And Mike, to this day, is one of my buddies. We had connected before, and then I was doing a documentary called Fight Church, and okay. um, I needed I needed somebody to fight me so I could <laughs> so we could have some content for this for this movie. And I had. I had taken a fight in Pennsylvania and literally the week of the fight, um, the guy pulled out and Mike was on this crazy win streak at the time. And I knew he wouldn't pull out. So I called him and was like, I, I didn't even, I like skipped the promoter, skipped like the line. I was like, Hey dude, I need somebody to fight me. Will you do it? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I guess. (laughs) So that's a little backstory for anybody that has seen fight church or, would see fighters. You know, it's, it's just, it's blowing my mind that this is your story and this is your path. You know, um, let's, let's talk about you being a pastor. I mean, how long have you been a pastor and tell me about your faith walk. When were you saved and all that? So I grew up in church. My dad is still my pastor. Um, my okay. dad's the lead pastor where I'm at. Um, I'm the associate pastor. I grew up in church and, um, you know, there's a couple kinds of preachers kids, there's either like uh, the really bad ones, <laughs> you know, their dads are super involved at uh, at church and like they just dive completely into ministry and they end up leaving their families just to like figure it out. And so right. their kids end up acting out and then end up in trouble. And then you have like the kind of goody kind of kid who d- never does anything wrong and kind of dorky. That's typically like the two polar opposites if i had i don't don't like to say that i was dorky but (laughs) i definitely fell on that like other side i didn't get in trouble like at all Um, yeah always did what i was supposed to do um doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that i like always followed every rule my dad kind of taught me you know like there are some rules that you need to break there's some rules you know you're never going to have a memory if you like, you know, you're never going right. to make memories like as like childhood memories if you don't break some rules, you know, like right. you gotta bend the rules a little bit, you know, like so when I'm going to church camp, of course, I'm going to order pizza, even though I'm not supposed to I'll order pizza <laughs> and like have a pizza party for my for my dorm, those kinds of things. But um, so I I think I really genuinely made a decision to live for Jesus on my own when I was, I was 11 or 12 years old right there. Like I had always, it seemed like I was living for Jesus, but really what I was doing was I was living for my parents. I loved Mm. my parents. I like my, I, I like idolized my dad. My dad is such a good, like genuinely good dad. Like it's really hard for a lot of sons to work with their dads, right. On, in any business, and I've been working with him uh, really my whole life, but like professionally speaking for just about 18 years. Um, and so like I always looked up to him and it seemed like I was living for Jesus, but that's only because I was living for my dad and my dad was living for Jesus. But then I made this decision on my own. Um, you know, I need to start doing this because I love Jesus, not because I love my dad. And so mm. when I was like 12 years old, um, I was, I was, I was actually at a, a church camp and 
like I made this decision. I remember I went down to like their, their altar area and I was like, you know what? I need to make this decision for me. Um, and so I made the decision. Um, it wasn't some grandiose, like repentant, like I, I was some drug dealer kid or like anything like that. Um, but, uh, that's when I really started pursuing Jesus because I wanted to pursue Jesus, not because I wanted my dad to like give me his blessing, you know? Um, and then, you know, from there, I, um, I think I always, I always felt like I was supposed to do ministry. I was always supposed to like, there was a lot of us use the term calling, you know, I, uh, mm-hmm. for a long time I felt like I was called into ministry. Um, and so I went to a school in San Diego, which, <laughs> which is like a two hour conversation. We don't have time for that. <laughs> that was like the completely worst. different lifestyle, right? <laughs> no, just the school was the worst decision of my life. Man, if I, if I could go anywhere else, people that don't know me, that only know part of my story that know, like my, I grew up in church and I worked my dad and my dad's so great, blah, 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 blah. Like you've got this such, such this easy life. They don't understand like the church trauma. Like people throw that word around a lot these days, man. Yeah. No, I got church trauma. So, <laughs> so bad. But when I went to San Diego to this school, I had to learn to, to trust God when I was all by myself. I had like no, I literally had nobody and I had to learn to trust God. I had to learn to pursue God when nobody else was around. When, when I didn't have my dad saying, you know, these are the things that we ought to be doing or reading or praying for or whatever. Um, I had to do it on my own. And the big thing that I had to learn was how not to lead people because that's, that was really like the big lesson that I walked away with was if you're ever discipling somebody, if you're ever like teaching people how to live for Jesus, don't do it this way. Yeah. I had to come to grips because I really felt like, use that term calling. I felt like God called me to San Diego to this specific school. And so when I was out there, I was actually talking to my dad. I was like, this is terrible. Like, this is <laughs> awful. And my dad goes, okay, so you have to decide. Did you not hear the voice of God telling you to go? And if that's the case, come on home. But if you did hear the voice of God, God doesn't call us to quit. So um, if you did hear the voice of God, then you need to ask him why he would call you there. And then, then act off based off of that. I was like, crap, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted wanted you to just be on my side and like, (laughs) just say, screw them, come back home. We'll do something else. But as traumatic as it was um, for me to be there, I think there was also some real benefit to me being there. Not so much because I learned so much from any of the pastors or leaders that I was under, but because, you know, I separated myself away from all of like the comforts, um, away from all of my community, my family. And I I separated myself and I was very much alone, but I had to like, learn how to lean on God by myself. Well, that's, I mean, that's really bold of your dad to do that. You know, it seems like you've definitely had some, some amazing fatherhood experiences like that and definitely yeah. had, um, had some good influence from your dad in your life. You know, um, 
I've I've been paying attention to the stuff that you guys have been doing with the uh, with the Savage Dads group on Facebook, and yeah. I mean, I, I think that's such a needed thing. You know, there's it seems like there's a million Instagram influencers that are like, you know, mommy tips. You know what I mean? But there's not there's not a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of Savage Dads out there. You know, um, why don't you like tell us a little bit about that? About what you guys are trying to do with that uh, Facebook group and what you guys are trying to do with the Savage Dads program. So, Savage Dads is a right now is a Facebook group. Um, I do not know everything about fatherhood. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to have every answer. My daughter is four years old, and I have not yet had a teenager. Um, right. I've been in kids ministry and youth ministry. I've helped coach a lot of parents through, you know, through obstacles, um, in their own parenthood with their kids. Um, so do I have a lot of answers? I probably do. Um, but I don't have every answer. And the reason why I started the Facebook group is because I'm a part of some other like fatherhood Facebook groups. And a lot of them exist so dads can bash their wives. <laughs> okay. That's what it feels like. They just go on there and they're like, oh, my wife, X, Y, and Z. And like, they just go, ah, dang. Some of them also exist just to like sell some coaching. I'm not trying mm. to sell a bunch of coaching. That's not what I'm there for. Like I get those kinds of, th- those kinds of things in my inboxes all the time. I actually just last week, a guy said, Hey, do you want to join my Facebook group? And I just can't, I'll just come right out and say it. Are you going to try to sell me on coaching? Cause I'm not trying to waste either of our times right now. Like I don't want you to waste any more time in my inbox. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want you to waste my time because I'm joining your Facebook group thinking I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some quality content, you know, some encouragement or some education of some sort. If you're just going to try to get me to pay you a hundred bucks a month. So whatever I started the group because I believe that if we have enough dads in that group, then we can, we can have all of the answers. I might have some and you might have some and this other guy might have some. And if we all come together, then we can have all the answers and we can, we can bring support to each other. We can bring encouragement to, to each other. I do believe that fatherhood and I've been really become a student of fatherhood. I believe fathers are the familial term for leader. I think dads should be leading families I believe the reason why there has been a breakdown in families is because dads haven't been, um, by large, haven't been doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, I get a lot of hate for this this next statement, um, but I'll still stand by it, is that even the best single mom can't replace a dad. Mm. And a lot of a lot of ladies, especially single moms, don't like that statement because it sounds like I'm downplaying how hard they're working, which I'm not. But when I circle back and say, would you would you, or would you not say that life and parenthood would be a lot more easy on you if you had a dad that had decided to step up for his kids and stay at home and lead his family the way they should? Oh, yeah, well, that would be easier. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. All I'm saying is you're doing more than you should have to do because, yeah. because the dad isn't in the home. And I think a, a, a lot of people have this misconception that um, – like that there's this pandemic of just terrible dads. 
the mm. more I explore fatherhood and all of these different fatherhood communities, the more I'm finding that there are some really all-star dads out there. Some guys that are really knocking it out of the park and doing things that I don't know that I could do. Like dads that like I've got a really close friend of mine. His name is Daniel Ramos. He's got he's actually at the hospital right now. He's he's got a son on the way. But um oh, wow. <laughs> I, got, I got the text this morning. But um he's got two daughters and his um ex um we'll just say that she went through some stuff, which is why she is his ex. But this guy, I mean he he has worked so hard and so many jobs and tirelessly. We, we use the term tirelessly, but I know he is tired and like he has bled and wept, but he just won't quit because he knows that he is the best shot his girls have at yeah. just successful lives because he knows that their mother has made some terrible decisions for her own and just watching him just go to war and shell out tons of money for lawyers to make sure not that he doesn't want the mother to have like a relationship with their girls. He's all about that, but he knows that he is the best possible solution when it comes to leading his girls and making sure they're cared for, not just cared about, but they're cared for and they're loved and they're led. And so watching guys like that and all of these different stories, and then like you'll see guys in, in the group, one guy, Steve, he's always posting. He's, he's a grandfather now and he's hmm. posting, Hey, just so you know, I screwed up when I was dad. These are the ways that I screwed up, and these are the ways that you guys need to make sure you're not screwing up. Because I'm yeah. having these conversations now with my kids that I should have had with them 15 years ago. And yeah. I love his vulnerability, all his transparency, because that's what helps us grow. And I think, like I said, fatherhood or fathers are the familial term for um, leader. And I think when it comes to fatherhood, the best thing that I can give to dads is how to lead your home. I think sometimes we overcomplicate leading our kids and leading our families. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of, you know, my kids just won't listen to me. What do I do? My kids won't, uh, my kids always have an attitude. My kid is always lazy. My, my uh, response regularly, and I know this really frustrates some people, but my response regularly is, okay, what are you doing to connect with your kids? I think people are expecting some like great recipe of this is, this is what you do with a lazy teenager. First of all, a lot of teenagers are lazy. A lot of us forget that when we were teenagers, we were like playing GoldenEye until two o'clock in the morning and then sleeping right. until, <laughs> and then sleeping until like 11 or 12. So some of it is just being a teenager. But if it's beyond that, you know, like, what are you doing to connect with them? One of the guys that I work with, stepdad, he's been in the family since the kids were young. He said the big thing that, that made the shift in his kids, or at least specifically in his daughter, um, was puzzles. It, hmm. Puzzles. She loves to do puzzles. He hates to do puzzles. And I told him, <laughs> I, told him I was like, listen, and I – I preach this like on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night. I'll preach it. Like you want to connect with somebody, do something that they want to do. doesn't matter yeah. if you want to do it or not. Find a way. My buddy Anton, he, he said, 
It was when he heard that statement of do something that she likes to do, even if you don't like to do it and do it consistently. It wasn't until she was an an adult that she started calling him dad. Oh, wow. On her own. She just naturally started calling him that because why they started doing puzzles together. Like this stuff isn't rocket science. Like it's it's not really all that complicated. Kids don't come with a uh, with a manual, no. you know. And uh, I think I feel like oftentimes we can provide so many of what not to do that you can almost write a book about that mm-hmm. versus the book of how to do these things. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, I, I think it's it's very. I think what you said about vulnerability is key. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think I think too many people will hop on the bandwagon and act like they've all got it figured out. And the the truth is none of us have it figured out, you know, and then that goes, that goes with, that goes with parenting. That goes with anything. I think, I think this is, I think this, this journey of life is so much about an experimental phase throughout the entire thing that, uh, that how you, how you react and how you apply yourself to that thing is just, I don't know. It's it's just it's just a a roller coaster ride, you know. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the um the private security stuff too because that's that's really crazy. You guys uh basically are like guarding tests for people that are going to their their uh court cases, is that right? Yeah, so that's one of the jobs that we do. The title is personal protection agent. Uh, through the Department of Criminal Justice uh, Services, DCJS. Okay. The typical term that people use is bodyguard. Right. But there's a lot more that goes into the job than just guarding a body. It's all the preparation work. It's all the, the debriefing. It's There's lots to do other than just be a big guy. That's what most people see like on the red carpet is like some big guy with sunglasses and a suit that's a little too tight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's... There is so much more to the job than being that guy. Some guys are specifically that. That's all you get. Um, but there's so much more to the job. Our our team does a lot of work. Um, we've worked with politicians and um, and entertainers. But I think across the board, our probably our favorite jobs to do is working with um, victims of violent crimes. So basically, our job is to pick them up from home or pick him up from home. Take them to court, um, sit with them in court, make sure there's no family or friends or acquaintances that would um, have any reason to do anything. They do have sheriff's deputies, bailiffs that are there. However, the sheriff's deputy is up by the judge. They're not by our clients. So uh, what we're able to do is we're able to uh, stay and give them close personal protection, which is really like the term is giving them close personal protection. So if anybody does try to harm our, our uh, clients further, we're able to um, defend them from that. Really the job is those specific jobs are much like deeper than that. Um, What we find is that the job is really more about their, emotional and psychological well-being, um, mm. especially like with the domestic violence types of cases that we get and this specific gun violence case that we're working with, people are really working through trauma and it's a traumatic experience. They have to go 
relive their experience in order to press charges against the person that tried to hurt them or kill them. And so like some people don't understand like, well, why didn't, why did they not, not press charges when X, Y, and Z happened? And that's really easy for somebody to say when you've never been in their shoes. Yeah. When you work with these victims and you see that they're, how grateful they are um, that you're there and that you're supporting them and keeping them safe. Um, it just makes you go home uh, feeling a little better. Yeah. Well, I mean, all these things that you do, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm paying attention to all this and you've got the MMA, you've got the private security, um, your podcast saved and savage, you know, all of these things are, uh, are very intense, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, how does that sort of mentality, how does that affect your life and your faith walk and just, your life in and out of the octagon as well. I mean, like, how do you live in that state? I mean, are you like, are you like an adrenaline junkie or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so really, um, all of those things seem really kind of crazy, I guess, or um, intense to a lot of people. To me, they're not. Yeah. So my last, my, my last mixed martial arts fight that I took um, was a couple years ago. And so we've got some, I've got some really cool friends. They've adopted three girls so far from Ukraine. So I, if you ever see me like wearing the Ukraine shirt or like my Ukraine, like America flat flag shirt, like on, on any of my videos, we were connected with Ukraine before it was cool. Right. (laughs) A few years ago, I took this fight, um, uh, because my friends went to Ukraine to pick up their daughter, their first daughter that they were adopting. Um, and they got there and they ended up having to stay longer than they had expected. And they just ran out of money. And they were like, Preston, we don't know how we're going to get home. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Well, I bet if I fight, I could raise you some money. Oh, wow. And, so I, <laughs> and they were like, they're like, oh, you don't have to do that. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. And I say that because genuinely, after you fought a handful of times, it's really honestly not that big of a deal. A lot of people look at it as some intense thing. Um, and that's why I think I like to tell people too, is like, I've never, I've never punched somebody without a glove on. I'm not right. like, I'm not a, in a way, I'm not a confrontational person. I'm, I'm confrontational as in if I don't agree with you or I think you did something wrong, I'll tell you, but I'm not like a looking for a fight kind of a guy. Um, I, I was able to like do bounce it at like clubs and do security and all this stuff and never get in fights with people who I probably could have justified punching in the face, but like mm-hmm. been able to do it because I'm really good at talking. Like, just talking my way out of stuff. Like, dude, do you really need to hit me? You really don't need to. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is it's not it's not gonna do anybody any good. Because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna end up getting arrested. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even like go to the whole like macho thing where, oh, you wanna hit me? Let's go. I I've been doing X, Y, and Z for X amount of time and like I'm gonna take you down, drop you on your shoulders, I'm gonna punch you in your face. No, I don't go there. I'm just like, ah, if you hit me. I'm going to have to press charges. <laughs> and some people might think it's one way about that, but dude, like I'm an adult. I don't have time for like yeah. fighting outside of just sport. The whole reason I got into fighting was so that I could keep people safe. So I got to a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I've, I've got 
you know, to quote like taken, you know, I've got a certain set of skills. Um, <laughs> I hate to imagine that it's, it only ever gets used for entertainment purposes only, you know, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to yeah. know this and use this just because somebody bought a ticket for a show. Uh, why not, why not apply this in a way that can really genuinely help somebody? To me, it genuinely isn't that intense. I think like skiing is way scarier than like fighting. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's way worse because I, I have like no control. Like, I've gone skiing a few times and it's just terrible. <laughs> I'm the exact same way, man. I'm the exact same way. I like, I, uh, I tried, I tried surfing and when I was younger, I could, I could try it. I live at the beach. Everybody's like, Oh, you ever go surfing? No, I, I it's like controlled falling for me. Like yeah, there's, that's it. It, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Who thought about uh, snow skiing the, the first time anyway? Yeah. A demented person saw like ice <laughs> on the side of a mountain and thought they'd put sticks on their feet and see how fast they could fall. Like yeah. that's the craziest thing ever. That's intense. That makes you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh that was a that was a pre-internet moment, I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a terrible idea. I find that's a common theme with uh I've I've spoken to a couple other people that are into, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu in particular and um you know, the mentality of not wanting to uh, get involved with things because not because you're intimidated or anything like that, but more so because you have this understanding. Like uh, it's an it's an interesting um, relationship with violence mm-hmm. to me. You know the uh, the people that that are familiar and well adapted to violence like that. They're not. They're much less apt to sort of get involved with somebody that's trying to start anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, I, I could, I could definitely see where a lot of people, um, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of a big guy, but I'm not, I'm not like an aggressive, like fighter type person. You know, I'm, I'm more of like the, uh, talk, talk people down a little bit, you know, yeah. de-escalation, Right. Yeah. And, but even so, I think just being a larger man um there's there's something about people that like you know if they see if they see you out somewhere and they're an aggressive type person they always they always want to be that confrontational guy you know (laughs) yeah so i'm sure you run into that a lot you know um the opposite side of that too is that it's not just you you know living living this life you know as a pastor, do you ever run into other people reacting to the fighting or the private security? I mean, do you ever have to deal with what other people think of you in that aspect? Uh, especially after the Fight Church movie came out. That was, really? Oh, yeah. If you like go YouTube Fight Church documentary trailer, I think, and just look at those comments, they're pretty amazing. I mean, all kinds of people want to send me straight to hell because um, – <laughs> Because I'm a consenting adult that likes to do combat sport with another consenting adult. Um, Right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. I think anybody that disagrees with what I do as um, a combat sport um, athlete, anybody that that disagrees with it because I'm a pastor, um, they either don't understand combat sports or they don't understand – they don't understand Christianity because – I mean, all I'm doing is trying to get somebody to quit fighting. Like I'm trying to get them to tap out or I'm trying to like choke them out or whatever. 
Um, I, David was a warrior. Like Gideon was a warrior. Like yeah. you skipped a whole first half of the Bible. If you think I'm, if you think <laughs> I'm violent, you got to like go to Psalms and just turn back a few chapters or a few books and right. you're going to find some pretty dangerous guys. I just do this for fun and have never killed anybody before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like punching random people on a sidewalk. We both signed on the dotted line and we're taking pictures together afterwards. You yeah. Know, um, do I want to hurt people? Yeah. When I'm in the, when I'm in the ring or in the cage, absolutely. I want to hurt people. I don't want to injure them though. I want them to say, ow, you know, <laughs> want, I don't want, I don't want people to not go to work because, because we had a, uh, a contest, you know, I'm not trying to like take people like money off of out of people um, out of their bank accounts or take food off their tables, anything like that. Anybody that's at my local church um, seems like everybody loves it. Uh, I used to coach a fight team out of the church in our ministry center. I had a whole gym like Matt's. I still have most of the stuff, but at 2020, uh, we shut everything down because we didn't really understand this new virus. And I just haven't kicked it back off because I've gotten kind of busy with security jobs. But um, most people at my church, I don't know of anybody, especially now, that is against it. But they also, yeah. most of my people know me and they kind of know where I'm at. We've had kickboxing events in my main sanctuary, though. Like we put a boxing ring on the stage in our church oh, wow. and we raised money. We built three water wells in Congo. And I had one guy, he had some words to say about it. And I told him, I was like, listen, this, this, the church is the body. This building is just a building. And if we can't use this building to build water wells, to give clean water to people in Congo, because you're afraid people are like, boys are going to take their shirts off to fight. um, Then we just need to like close the doors and lock them and never open them again. Yeah, because like giving clean water is literally what uh, Jesus said to do in Matthew 25, you know, give food to the hungry, give water to the thirsty. So like we're literally putting the Bible in motion, like doing the word of God. It makes you uncomfortable because you don't really like fighting, but it is it is doing the word. I think like a lot of Christians believe evangelism means like. You have to like go win people to Jesus. I think sometimes it's simpler yes. and it's just getting people to your parking lot. Yeah. If you can get people to understand that they're not going to get struck by lightning the moment they walk in the sanctuary, if you can, <laughs> if they can believe that, then uh, then you're gaining ground. If you just show them love, man, show them goodness, then um, then you'll win Amen. people. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I love what you're doing. I I think it's amazing that what you do can have such an impact in ways that you wouldn't necessarily think about it. You know, it's, it's a very unique, um, a unique method that you're using. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I love your TikToks where you're doing, uh, where you're training and you're doing it to worship music. Like <laughs> if, if you, it's really funny. I've noticed if you watch them with the sound off, you're expecting like rap or rock or metal to be playing in the background. <laughs> yep. And then you turn, you turn the volume back up and it's like spirit. That's the whole reason. You know, I it's like, <laughs> it's great. It's great, man. <laughs> but, 
but yeah, do you do that? Do you do that intentionally? Like, I gotta know. Do you do that intentionally with the worship music while you're while you're working out? So I do the worship music. I honestly do oftentimes like work out to worship music. There's really yeah, I'm either listening to worship music or like gangster rap. There's no in between. <laughs> so, I know that's going to sound terrible. People are probably going to think I'm crazy, which, whatever. but most of the time I am listening to worship music. It's because that's my like alone time. And, yeah. um, also like some people, when they go fight, like they have to put their music in, they want to hype themselves up. When yeah. I, when I fight, I, I do listen to worship music prior to fighting. Um, I I'm backstage like taking a nap literally until like <laughs> so like 30 minutes before I'm supposed to be fighting. Yeah. I, I have to chill out when I hype myself up. And this is what I kind of learned early in my career is when I hype myself up, like I just have bad results. I have to go in completely relaxed and with a clear mind. And so yeah. Oftentimes when I'm training, I'd say a good majority of the time I'm training, I am listening to worship music. I've got, I've got like elevation is, is my favorite go-to worship right now. There's, there's a song Lion of Judah. And it just came out like maybe two months ago. And if there's anybody listening and your church does not have a song for Easter Sunday, y'all need to listen (laughs) to that song because it's, it's something else. Yeah, um, but it's worship, but it's also kind of hard. It's hard a little bit, um, but yeah, I I listen to worship music, but I also I also like tag those into my TikToks because like people I I feel like people might stop and watch the video because I'm hitting, you know, like if like when we were in school, if somebody yelled "fight," everybody's going to go look at it. So like, yeah. some people might be scrolling and stop because I'm hitting something because I'm like showing uh, some Muay Thai or something. And then they click on it and then they hear that like, it, it's worship and it, there's some kind of message behind it as well. Um, so yeah, it's a little, little sneaky. I love it. I love it, man. I think, I think you should keep doing it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it's really unique. I mean, you're, you're a really interesting guy. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. You know, uh, I, I think that, I definitely think people should go check out your um, check out all of your social media and, and what you guys are doing with everything. So with that being said, where can people find out about what you're doing and where do you want to direct people to? I post mostly on TikTok and I know a lot of people um, prior to me getting on TikTok, I've only been on for a, like four months or something, but yeah. prior to me getting on TikTok, a lot of people are like, Oh, TikTok is just a bunch of naked people. What you have to understand <laughs> is like there's an algorithm. So if there's yeah. naked people on your TikTok, it's because you're looking at naked people. So yeah. hunt down the Christian TikTokers. And like all Amen. my TikTok is right now is like parenthood stuff because most parenthood stuff seems to be moms, but mm-hmm. it's like Christian TikTok or parenthood. That's literally all I have. I post on there a lot. Um, and I'm saved and savage on uh, TikTok. You can find me on Instagram. You get a lot more of like my personal life type stuff on on my Instagram, like pictures of me and my family and stuff like that. Um, but that's just my name, Preston Hawker. You can find me on Facebook the same way, just Preston Hawker, P-R-E-S-T-O-N-H-O-C-K-E-R. And connect if you're a dad, only dads, 
I don't accept uh, like single moms, anything like that. If you're a dad, you want to be on in the Savage Dads group. Look it up, Facebook, uh, Facebook group Savage Dads. There's like a like a little lion picture on the the banner. But yeah, look us up, connect with us. Love connecting with people. Uh, so. And this has been fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. So we're winding down towards the end of every episode. And at the end of every episode, I ask all of my guests the same question. And it's one question in two parts. And there's, I'm just giving you a heads up. There's normally like a deer in the headlights look whenever I ask this. All right. So um, it's this, what was the last goal that you completed and what's the next goal that you want to set for yourself? Okay. So the, the last Okay, I'm. I've kind of completed this goal. Okay. Okay. Count. My All wife right. and I are start, have started an Etsy store. Okay. So it's open, but I don't have I don't have all of our stuff. It's all digital downloads. I've been uh, been doing graphics for a long time, and my wife is like, "We could totally sell your digital downloads. Like, you don't have to make anything. Just." Uh, allow people to like buy the rights to use this thing. So it's a lot of like Christmas stuff, Easter stuff, like just a bunch of stuff. So that's mostly, mostly accomplished. It's accomplished in a sense because it's a, like a real thing. <laughs> like you can yeah. go, yeah. you can go yeah. and purchase the digital downloads there. My wife uh, jumped on. She's, she's actually done more graphics for this thing than I have. She's, uh, She's incredible. What was the name of that thing? <laughs> Just, oh no! <laughs> the, the paper finch. Okay. Paper finch, like as in the bird, because we threw around a bunch of names. I totally forgot, and it's brand new. It's like brand new. Um, so that's that's a big goal, or was a, a big goal, and that we've been pursuing. Um, and what was the other one? That like, what's my next big goal? Yeah. What's the next goal you want to complete? Okay, so we talked about um, private security. Yeah. And my next big goal is because we love doing the um, the jobs with victims, one of the things that we're doing is we're connecting with a home for battered women. And okay. we're going to start taking uh, donations so that we can offer our services for free to battered women who need to go to court to face – Not we won't just um, protect women, but – people who have been a part of um, or a victim of violence. We'd like to be able to offer that service through our company for free, but our guys need to be able to get paid because they have bills. And so yeah. what we would like to be able to do and uh, our goal is to be able to raise funding so that we can provide that as a free service to um, victims of violence awesome man so do you have uh is, is that like already in motion do you have a place where people can donate donate for that i wish i did but <laughs> not well if follows me on tiktok i guarantee um as that as those kinds of things um are are made available i will make them known through all of my social media accounts. Okay. Awesome. Well, when it does happen, you know, give me the information. I'll make sure everybody has it down in the show notes below for sure. You know, I'll be amazing. Well, Preston, this has been a blast, man. I, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. I love what you do and I think it's just, it's a lot of fun and I love seeing, um, what comes next for people. So I'm really excited about your future, man. Definitely, man. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and I'm going to go ahead and wrap this guy up. You have a great evening. All right. Well, Misfits, we did it. 
that's our episode. I want to thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors. If you want to find information about any of our sponsors, there are affiliate links on the Sponsors tab of our website over at www.misfit-heroes.com. You can also find information about all of our social media there, so be sure to follow us for immediate up-to-date information about the podcast. Please, Misfits, if you like this show at all, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button down below so you're notified of new episodes as they're released. And make sure to leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Truly, Misfits, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be kind, love one another, and be a hero.